My name's Will DeFreeze, and this is the Sunday Scaries Podcast, your cure for the Sunday blues. This week's episode is supported by Helix Mattresses. Trouble sleeping is something we all encounter after a big weekend, a long day at work, or even just those random nights when you toss and turn thinking about something stressful. If you're anything like me, you like to spend the majority of your Sunday in bed trying to decompress from the weekend. More than anything on Sunday night, you need a good night's rest. Helix can help you do that comfortably. By going to helixsleep.com scaries, you can take a two-minute sleep quiz that will match you to a mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They take everything into account. Body type, whether you toss and turn, are a hot and cold sleeper, and whether you like your mattress plush or firm. You can even try it for 100 nights risk-free. Helix is currently offering up to $125 off all mattress orders if you go to helixsleep.com slash garys. Again, that's $125 off your order by going to helixsleep.com slash garys. Make your Sundays a little less panicked. This week, we're going to discuss how to combat the Monday blues at work, health trends I just can't get behind, and a lesson in portrait mode. Sometimes, just sometimes, Sundays bleed into Mondays. Whether it was a wedding that got particularly out of hand on Saturday night or the shampoo effect getting the best of you on Sunday afternoon, there are those rare occasions when you can still feel a sludge of the weekend weighing you down when you walk into the office on Monday. All the coffee in the world couldn't make me productive today, you tell yourself while staring into your empty computer screen. And maybe you're right. While it is proven that your body has a certain threshold for caffeine before it becomes useless, there are still some remedies for the Monday blues that are worth pursuing. I actually fixed this problem for myself a long time ago when I decided that going out two nights in a row on weekends just wasn't worth it for me. The collective hangover would hit me so hard that I felt just as tired on Monday morning as I would on Sunday when I woke up. That being said, I don't expect you, or anyone else for that matter, to just stop going out as much as you want. For me, it all came down to my lunch. What was I going to have? Some lazily meal prep chicken and veggies? A Jimmy John's sub at your desk just because they offer free delivery? Or maybe just lunch with a coworker who may be in the same seat over from you on the struggle bus? I, without a doubt, would suggest the latter. Having something to look forward to all morning is more essential than getting that second cup of coffee from the Keurig. If only for an hour, the world is your oyster. Whether you're counting the minutes on the clock waiting for the day to end or simply trying to look busy so no one bothers you, a power lunch with a colleague or friend is the perfect vacation from your monotonous and tiresome day in the office. If only for that hour in the middle of the day, you can escape the annoyances of the office and pretend it's still the weekend. While I wouldn't necessarily suggest having a light beer to keep the party going, maybe it's not the worst idea either. Worst case scenario is that it makes you want to take a nap more than you already do. So maybe just get your boost off some casual conversation with that one coworker you don't totally hate. And while you're out for lunch, go buy something that you can enjoy throughout the course of the afternoon. Like with anything exciting, there's going to be a come down after that lunch. Loafing back to your desk after a solid lunch is just some miniature form of the Sunday scaries in its own right. So spring a little bit and get a snack or drink to set down in front of your keyboard. Kombucha? Sure, why not? It at least puts out the air of health. Some hummus and chips? While it's no game day snack, that works too. Even if you have to dip back into the caffeine well and get an iced Americano from Starbucks despite having free coffee at the office, a few bucks will go a long way when it comes to making yourself forget how much you're dreading being at work. And finally, the most important part of your day. There's always that excitement around 2.30 on Fridays when text messages start to roll in about your plans for the night. 
but that feeling completely goes away when the last thing your friends want to do on Monday is actually go out again. That's why you have to figure out a way to entertain yourself for the night. Take those group tax efforts and focus them towards something that will make you, and only you, excited. Spend your afternoon scrolling food websites for a recipe you can try out that night. Open up iTunes on your work computer and search long and hard for a new release that you can rent. Or even queue up a dating app in hopes of scheduling a midweek date with someone you never even knew existed. Whatever the strategy may be, just know that it simply can't get any worse than it is, so every minute that goes by is a small victory. Once you can finally sit up from your chair and head out for the night, every day following during the course of the work week will feel easier and easier until you reach that sacred time on Friday when your group text starts to blow up again. And if not, maybe revert to the only going out one night a week strategy that I've been using. That works too. I need to preface what I'm about to say with an admission, and it's not an admission that I'm proud of. You know how wannabe lifestyle bloggers will wear an outfit only to later post a caption that reads something like, I got so many questions where I got this top, so I put a link in my bio to it. Well, that's what I feel like I'm doing right now. While I don't really consider myself to be any better than those other lifestyle bloggers out there, it pains me to say what I'm about to say. But here it goes. I get a lot of questions about portrait mode. I know, I know, yuppie millennial scum and all that music that goes along with it, but the fact of the matter is, I do. And it's not just portrait mode. Sometimes I receive messages simply asking what type of camera I use to take photos for Instagram. And the fact of the matter is, it's nothing special. It's your same old run-of-the-mill iPhone X. I first used portrait mode when I made my girlfriend download the beta software update on her iPhone ahead of my sister's wedding in Montana. It had come out days before, and I figured that Montana would be the perfect location to unveil Apple's new technology to the masses. When her phone finally updated with it, I was entranced by it. I wanted to portrait mode everything, and portrait mode everything I did. Whether it was just us in front of a mountain range or a cheeseburger at the Missoula Club, I was a self-proclaimed portrait mode addict. Once I purchased a phone of my own with it on it, I was unstoppable and a little insufferable, but I was a force to be reckoned with. Nothing was off limits. Dogs, cocktails, new shoes, everything. Frankly, I just got really good at taking photos with it. And here's how. The most important thing to remember when taking photos with it is that you need the proper amount of light. Basic girls far and wide will try to get you to take portrait mode photos of them in dark bars, but it simply won't work. Without the proper amount of daylight, portrait mode is pretty much rendered useless. Your photos will turn out grainy, fuzzy, and unusable. The next thing you know, you'll be asked to take about 10 more photos before you finally get the one. Once you have the lighting down, you have to make sure your phone is focusing in on whatever you're trying to take a photo of, whether it be a human or just a craft beer sitting on the table in front of you. Yes, you may look like a complete idiot when you're leaning forward and back at the restaurant table while you're trying to get your object in focus, but being too far or too close will make it nearly impossible for your camera to lock in on. What most people don't realize is that you can focus in on pretty much anything. The phone itself will notify you when you're too close or too far away, but that doesn't mean that you can't game the system and make it work for you. If it says you're too close, take your iPhone a little further away and get everything in focus before moving back to where you want it. More often than not, the item will remain in focus despite your phone previously telling you that it won't work. And if you're too far away, take a couple steps forward, lock in on whoever or whatever you're trying to photograph, 
and then slowly take a couple steps back where you originally were again. Again, it may take a couple tries, but most of the time you can force it to work. Furthermore, you need to ensure that the background is far enough away from the person or object that it's actually being blurred out. If they're too close to whatever they're standing in front of, it'll remain focused on the background in addition to the person. Not only will this make your photo appear as though it's not even in portrait mode, but it makes everything really grainy too. Sure, you might sound like Nigel Barker when you're trying to direct them on where to stand, but they'll thank you later when they're in focus and the scenery's not. And finally, it all just comes down to editing. Photo editing is the single most important thing you can do when you're mastering iPhone photography. I actually gave an entire tutorial on how to use Visco, a photo editing app, in a previous episode titled The Most Relaxing Shows on Netflix, Retail Therapy, and Instagram Filters. But the keys are simply sharpness and exposure in addition to your filter. If you're going to look like stereotypical millennial scum on Instagram, you might as well look good doing it. And finally, let's end this week by talking about something I feel very passionate about, pretending to be healthy. Part of being healthy, which I put in quotes, is just doing things that give you the mental edge when it comes to health in general. If you've ever seen or met me, you know that I'm not really the picture of health. But while working out is my own personal Everest, I do actually enjoy eating somewhat health-conscious foods. I like a crisp, cool salad. I've dabbled in a whole slew of Whole30 recipes. And I'll even replace meals with power smoothies from time to time too. You know, all in the name of health. But as I've taken the dive into healthy eating, I've realized that not all health foods are created equally. There are just those things that I dread eating, drinking, or even buying from the grocery store. No matter how many salads I do eat, I eventually dread shoveling a bite of lettuce into my mouth while I'm craving literally anything else down the road. But even with the following foods, I've never even got to that point because I hated them from the first time I had them. It all started one summer when I did a CSA thing with my parents. Every week, we got a shipment of food from a local farm that we would cook with throughout the week. Unfortunately, that year, the climate didn't yield all that much. What we were left with delivery after delivery was a green that I would like to never eat for the rest of time. Kale. And I can't really explain why I hate it. Maybe it's just the aggressive amount of curling on the edges of the lettuce, or the fact that it tastes terrible unless it's cooked or drenched in dressing. But one summer of eating kale is enough to force me into hating it. And really, I'll eat almost anything these days. Not much is off limits. But whether it's a summer kale slaw, or acting as the greens in one of my aforementioned smoothies, just the thought of having another piece of kale is enough to force me into scrapping healthy eating altogether. In that same world is vegetables that are meant to replace actual foods. I know, I know, vegetables are actual foods, but I'm talking about actual foods being like rice or noodles. During my first Whole30, we knew we wouldn't be able to eat those two things, you know, rice and noodles. And honestly, I was fine with that. I resolved myself to it. Where we went wrong, though, was when we tried replacing them with the two things that I've since sworn off, collie rice and zoodles. If you don't know, collie rice is just short for cauliflower rice, and zoodles are spiralized pieces of zucchini that emulate and look like noodles. Yeah, these are healthy alternatives to two foods that most people tell you to avoid eating in large quantities, but the taste of them just strayed so far from the foods they were trying to emulate that it's almost made me mad whenever I took a bite. There's something about taking a bite of pasta that's just downright euphoric, so trying to replace that with zucchini just felt wrong. 
And as someone who grew up with most dinners accompanied by either white rice or rice aroni, taking a step back and eating cauliflower also just made me more depressed than it did healthy. One replacement I won't poo-poo though, spaghetti squash, especially during the fall months. That most definitely gets a pass. But finally, the food that I just can't even stomach anymore is matcha. My first experience with matcha was when I saw it on a menu at a local coffee place. It was new, expensive, and a pretty fit girl in front of me ordered it, so I figured I'd give it a try. Matcha, simply put, is just powdered green tea leaves dissolved into hot water to make tea, or it's used as just flavoring. Much like coffee, it has enough caffeine to get you through a rough morning, but unlike coffee, it tastes absolutely terrible. I will say that I've never really been a fan of green tea in the first place, but the powdered replacement made me want to stray even further from it. The flavor itself is quite overwhelming, which is why it's often used as just one of many ingredients or with other ingredients that are used to mask it. In my case, however, I ordered a matcha latte that was borderline undrinkable. Yes, matcha does have a ton of benefits. It's a mood enhancer, it's packed with antioxidants, it's a natural weight loss aid, a detox agent, and it's a sugar-free coffee alternative without the jitters but it also gave me this chalky uneasiness that I'd just rather not revisit. But hey, maybe like my first beer or my first ever cup of coffee, perhaps it's just an acquired taste. I'll try anything twice, you know, in the name of health. This week's episode is brought to you by Upstart. Money is something we all stress about. In fact, it may be what weighs on you the heaviest Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Like me, you probably have some loans out. And whether they're big or small, that's completely normal. But Upstart is here to revolutionize the way that we borrow money. Quick and easy, Upstart can give you a personal loan for just about anything without inundating you with high interest or dents to your credit score. Whether you're trying to pay off credit cards, help pay for a wedding, or simply make a larger than normal purchase, you can get approved by Upstart in less than two minutes by going to upstart.com scaries and seeing how low your personal interest rate can actually be. Again, that's upstart.com scaries to get your personal loan as soon as tomorrow. And if you're wondering, all this info is in the description of this very episode. If you liked what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, review, or tell a hungover friend in need about this podcast. By subscribing, you guarantee that each and every episode is delivered directly to your phone every Sunday morning. You can also follow along on Twitter, which is at SundayScaries, and Instagram, which is at Sunday.Scaries. Or you can follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at WillDeFreeze. And remember, always trim the wicks on your scented candles. See you next Sunday. <laughs>